Welcome back to the Kill Dead Podcast. I'm your host, Gray. Tonight, I'm joined by my internet co-host. We have Ash, we have Brandon, we have Devin, and special guest host tonight, we have Jules. I almost got a little winded there. Adding that one extra name really does a lot that I didn't plan out. Say what's up, guys. What's hey. up? Hello. I know for next time. So what's going on, everyone? Memorial Day weekend. You guys had barbecues and alcohol, except for no. Devin. No, I had work. (laughs) That's the worst. (laughs) I literally just been doing stuff around the house, watching movies. I may have been playing a little bit of Days Gone last night, but that's really about it. In in true professor fashion, I've been grading exams all weekend. I did get a new tattoo though, so you know, win for me. I have been uh, sick with a stomach uh, bug from hell, so I've been sitting up in bed watching TV all weekend. Not mm. watching Lord of the Rings. Oh, my God. I don't hate myself. That's why. <laughs> he wants to get better, Brandon, okay? Let him get well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he couldn't do it at 100%, he's sure as shit not going to do it now. Lord of the Rings has been proven to have a healing effect on the body. Oh, I need alcohol or weed. Now I'm going to smoke weed, but I need some you know weed or alcohol. It's a total emotional investment, and if you're not at 100%, <laughs> you shouldn't even try to invest. So it would be lost even if he mm-hmm. did attempt to watch it. Yeah. I just watched have defense here. <laughs> I have solid arguments for this one, too. It's okay. Thank you. <laughs> I just watched uh, Bumblebee, which is a little bit less than two hours, but like an hour and a half in. I'm like, is this shit still on? Like, I can't deal with this. Yeah, actually, it was the best not one of the entire franchise. Bumblebee was always, always the best character from day yeah. one. And it's like not an exercise in sexism like the Michael Bay ones. So, um, this one's actually pretty good. chicks and blow things up. They're helpless. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just keep cute, skinny chicks for the guys to look at. And the guys will have as the more As long as they all have toe thumb, thumb, it's cool. I can look at my own hands and say I'm hotter. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that really just happened okay <laughs> yes well as long as we're taking shots at people ash you had quite an interesting tweet uh the other day would you care to elaborate on your work situation yeah okay so at my other job i had a girl come in and help me out and we were just talking, you know, chat, chat, chit, chit. And I was like, oh, yeah, I love horror movies. She's like, oh, my gosh, I'm a huge horror fan. So I'm like, okay, sweet. Well, I brought up Kane Hodder and how Friday 13th is my favorite franchise. And she's like, huh? Who's that? I was like, mm-hmm. Friday 13th, Jason Voorhees. Uh, Jason, Jason, Jason. Oh, I've never seen that franchise. I was like, huh? Look, even even if you've okay, never so- watched it, if you're into horror at all, you can't escape, like, the references and how much that's a part of, like, even just American culture around Halloween. Like, how do you not know? Exactly. So I got on my Twitter and I made a tweet and I was just asking, can you consider yourself a horror fan? If you haven't seen a certain franchise or know a certain horror icon. Um, so my opinion, a certain franchise, yes, you can still consider yourself a horror fan. Cause I mean, 
there's a lot of franchises, but when you don't know certain iconic characters, that's when you you look a little sus. You look a little suspect. Like, if, you know, I'm talking to someone and I bring up Freddy Krueger and they're like, who's that? I'm walking away from that conversation people, immediately. How many people who have not seen those movies don't know who Freddy Krueger is? Like, so iconic. Or maybe I'm just old. I don't know. But it's happened. <laughs> it's kind of like the essential no, of, like, being a horror fan. It's like... It's like you have to know the OGs, but like by the way she announced, like, oh, I'm a, I'm a huge horror fan. I'm thinking like, okay, she knows what she's talking about. But when she dropped that bomb on me, I was like, I can't trust her. <laughs> Did she say that? What, what, Don't damn. trust the interloper. What was that? Did she say what one of her favorite horror no, movies? No, she just said that. Like she's seen all the Chucky movies, and then like how she saw the new It. And I was just like, yeah, she didn't really. I think she saw the look on my face and knew that she needed to stop. <laughs> and in that moment, she knew she fucked up. Exactly. In other crowds, it's like, oh my gosh, you're so into horror. But then when she's confronted with people that actually know what they're talking about, she's like, oh, I'm out of my league. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I've got a lot of different responses on my Twitter, which I appreciate. So, shout out to the people that commented back. So it's like I'm on the fence on it. Like I don't care if you love horror, I'm I'm with you. Like I'm going to support my horror family. Like no matter what. But at the same time, it's just like, would you consider yourself a big horror fan if you have not seen or know a certain icon? That it just it bothered me. Or is she just a poser? Like someone said, a poser. She's a poser. Because I think it comes if you're if you say you're a fan of any particular genre, you have to know certain standards. Like I'm not let's say I, I'm just now getting into comedy right now in 2019. I have to know who people like Lenny Bruce and Richard George Pryor Carlin. and Bill Cosby. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they help George Carl, yeah, they help create the standard. So yeah, that's hard to get the fuck out of here with that. I don't know who Kane Hodder is. Yeah, Crap. like the whole like <laughs> Jason, like she was just like Jason? Ouch. Oh, oh hell. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, that's rough. I mean, especially when you... I want to cry a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, Jason is ingrained in pop culture, even. So, like, for her, it's like... If you don't know that every single person has played that role, including stunt people, that's okay. People that are really into the franchise know that shit. But simple things like there were nine films and one crossover film, like, I find it hard for any horror fan to exist today and not be aware of that. Yeah. And then when you had told her who Jason was, does she still get him confused? Like, oh, gosh. If, like she would have, if she would have got Jason and Michael confused, I would have I walked out. Like, I give up. I'm it's done. It's so funny, though, that, like, she came in and professed that instead of, like, like it would have been different if, like, you had been talking about things you were interested in and then she was trying to sound like, oh, I fit in, I fit in. But, like, to come in and say that, and then be like, but, I don't okay. know anything. And, well, I forgot to mention, I was like, oh, so do you go to any of the conventions? Like, I go to Horror Hound. Uh, and she's like, no, I haven't been to that. I was like, I'll show you my pictures. I was like, yeah, I met C. Thomas Howell. I met Danielle Harris. She was in, like, the original Halloween movie. She's like, huh? Ouch. So, <laughs> let's just say <laughs> I'm glad that she was only there to help me out that one night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. No, see her tomorrow. After the podcast <laughs> launches on the site, she's gonna be like, "I heard what you said about me." 
If she comes back to my store, <laughs> that's I'm okay. Going. She needs to Someone know. needs to have this conversation with her. <laughs> She's like, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm gonna rewind it She's back. Like the Gretchen Wiener. That is so fetched that you just said that. <laughs> all right so ash you just mentioned c thomas howe and the other night i was down a black hole of movies and i forgot that he was in soul from like the 80s where you're supposed to forget that yeah i you know it's amazing that we're still we're doing blackface in the 80s and i was like wow um, I'm sure he doesn't talk about that film anymore, but it was just like, it was, I was just astonished that one, I forgot that. And two, that this was released in theaters. I mean, we have people doing blackface now with that movie, Loquisha, that somehow on Amazon, I can't believe it's on Amazon. Right? So. Is that the one where he's like the radio host? <laughs> yes. Uh, that was yeah. so fucking yeah. cringy. It's like people are trying to troll. I, I couldn't have finished that trailer. I was like, nope, I'm done. It was playing oh. on, what did I see? Uh, uh, it was some movie that I went to, and that was like the trailer that played before, and I was sitting in the theater, and I was like, are you fucking serious? What? It was in like an actual theater? Yeah, like an oh actual theater. I think it was when I went and saw uh, La Llorona. Uh, yeah, it, it played in front of that, and I was like, "Are you oh, wow. shitting me?" <laughs> you know, I know you're not from Florida, so I'm going to go with this. But it's Florida, yeah, so I, I understand they might think that, that that's a better do. Florida, like I'm in North Florida, which may as well be South Georgia, which is like worse. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, it's that's like way worse. Bible Belt. This town yeah. is so segregated, and it's like the most jarring thing to me. Like I'm used to, to like, racism in other places, but like being here, it's just like the next level, and you don't expect it in a fucking capital. It's like I'm in Tallahassee, you don't expect it to be as segregated as it is here. It's awful. Yeah. That is true. I expect to see T Pain at every strip club I go to. That's what I expect. The, the village in having pancakes. Like, let's go. Yes. It's true, though. <laughs> he, he, he does live here and he is spotted having pancakes at the village in, which is like our local version of the Waffle House or IHOP. IHOP. That's it. IHOP. Sorry. Mm, no, you can't compare those. Two. Yeah, I okay. know. The there Waffle House is, yeah, mm, wrong. Oh, man. It is. This. That's sacred. I went there after the hurricane. They were the only place that had power and food. That's <laughs> where you go. Yeah. I could see that. Because it seems like a strong foundation building. Like, you never there's, see a Waffle House going out of business. Like degrees ever. of storm seriousness based on whether or not the Waffle House is open or not. Like, you know, shit's going down if the Waffle House is closed. Like, it takes, like, a Cat 4 hurricane for the Waffle House to close. <laughs> I, You're not wrong. When you look at anything. the shit that drunk people do in a Waffle House at yeah, compared to a storm, it's probably I easier to do the storm. I have drunk people in the Waffle House before. <laughs> so you chugged down a whole container of syrup. I said, so you chugged a whole container of syrup before. I did not, but I went in there barefoot in my pajamas, and I started, like, talking with bacon in my hand and like flinging the syrup <laughs> at my friend. Yeah, it was, it was intense. 
Yeah. That sounds yeah, pretty I mean, epic, actually. Yeah, that sounds like something I would do. I'm proud. <laughs> I don't know how to segue like, from that, yeah, so I'm just going to say that, and here's the segue. <laughs> I was going to be like, speaking of flinging syrup, but <laughs> okay, I love her. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so tonight we are here to discuss. The uh, 2018, no, it was 2019 yeah, it on Netflix. On IMDb. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was showing in festivals. Well, because it did come out last year, and then it shot the festival circuit. It debuted at Fantastic Fest here in Austin. I was not able to go attend or see anything that happened there, including the preview of Halloween 2018 to the United States of America. I am. Oh, you're probably still upset about that, too. <laughs> You know, so upset that I still haven't made any pre-percussions to actually purchase a ticket for this year. So, that's just expensive. You got to pick your battles. What is happening to me? I'm burning up. It's going to be okay. Oh, it's not. Oh, God, it's not. Listen to me. Something is wrong. Something is wrong with me. Lizzie, I know. That's why we need to get you help. I'm dying. I'm dying. What's happening? Oh my god. What's happening? I don't know. Oh my god. What is it? I don't know. What? What the fuck? Look at you, It's bugs! Help me! Help me, darling! Help me! You know what you have to do? So the film we're rambling about is The Perfection. came out this weekend on, if you're listening in real time, it's Memorial Day. came out on the 24th. Uh, Netflix, not original, but they did acquire it after Fantastic Fest. Um, it's about a young musical prodigy, Charlotte, played by Allison Williams. Um, she is, it's not very clear at first if, to me, uh, if she was tending to her mother by choice or escapism, but she's caring for her mother into her later years. Her mother passes away and then she seeks to return back to her once stardom. And so she seeks out her successor, Elizabeth, played by Logan, Logan Browning. Can we just pause um, for a second and, just and revel in her can we just revel in You're gonna her talk about her and like, wow, lady crush right <laughs> oh there. Goodness. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Okay. Good Lord, <laughs> have you. On She's awesome. Um, yes. I'm very upset that I did <gasps> not know who she was before this film. Oh. <laughs> really? I did not. I've seen really white tall. people, but like I've never oh, followed my her Lord. career. Oh, like if she was a Disney star or something like that. Hey, don't hate on the brass, okay? She played the perfect Sasha. It makes you feel any better? Well, here's the thing. I saw her. I saw her in um, the 
uh, series powers that was on PlayStation. And then hit Network. the floor. That's how I know her. So when I saw her, I was like, ooh. Okay, let me also preface this with, I don't even know how old she is, so some of those things might not be age-appropriate to begin with. So that's why I was 29. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I'm here for you. <laughs> All right, so I was just off. I was behind. I, I appreciate her work in this film. I'm glad that I can now study her back catalog to the age-appropriate time. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, this film was directed by Richard Shepard, who is an unfamiliar name to me. Were you guys familiar with anything he had done? No. No. I'm going to take that as a no. To be honest, No. No. Like when I looked it up before, I saw he directed an episode of Ugly Betty, 30 Rock. Um, so those are shows I have watched, but to point out his episode, I would be lost. So to me, fairly newcomer, and those were actually TV shows. So like this might be his first debut film. Um I probably should look that up. But whatever, none okay. of you guys did either, so I don't feel bad. So Moving on. He was the director of the Matador. <laughs> And Oxygen? I don't know. Mm. The Hunting Party? He did an episode and of Twilight Zone. Like he also did an episode of the Twilight Zone, yeah. yeah. Which I have not watched a single episode of the Twilight Zone. Have white, you guys? I feel like you can't do justice until it's in that like original sort of format. I'm, I'm really into the atmosphere created, and I feel like if you're going to remake... The Twilight Zone, like you really need to have that layer. Uh, so I'm waiting. I haven't watched it yet. I first episode. I thought the first episode was pretty good. Um, I know the reviews have been pretty mixed, but I'm looking forward to watching the, the rest of the series. My issue is that I don't want to get CBS All Access because it's like there's not a lot, and from right. like. I'm gonna I'm gonna nerd out in another genre for here for a second, but like the Star Trek Discovery just isn't really for Trek fans. It's more for like sci-fi in general. So I'm like, why am I gonna pay for CBS All Access when there's like two things I want to watch? That's a lot of money for bullshit. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I agree with you there. <laughs> like, okay, no. We're anyway, stop. we'll, we'll we're refocus. Stop. We we'll refocus. Um, okay, we're good. Yes. <laughs> Back to the perfection. <laughs> so, Devin, what were your initial thoughts on the perfection? Okay, I want to say this. I did enjoy the movie. I enjoyed it a lot. But my review is going to sound a little on the shady side. So it's going to be... We all have a friend, like when we were in college, who wanted to introduce us to a new movie. So you say, "Dude, you got to check this movie out. It's so fucked up. You got to see it." I feel like this is that like, kind of movie. What, like, like watching the so, animators, like this movie take it with is crazy. Greatest. Yeah, it's so fucked up. Like it's overhyped, and it's a great film, like a clockwork orange. It's a great film, but I think it's made for that effect. Um, but I enjoyed it. Ooh. Ash, what about yeah. you? I don't even know where to begin. All I, I okay, I felt like I was on this high watching this movie, and it was just I thought I knew like what was going to happen. I, I was like, oh, for sure, this is going to be about this and that. Like it's going to end like like that. But there were so many twists and turns in this movie, I couldn't handle it. But I loved it. I loved every moment of it. 
it was, oh, ooh, I loved it. Um, you definitely see some action, some nice sexual tension action going on in this movie. I mean, it is listed as an LGBT yeah. horror, so girl <laughs> on girl, here yes. for it. So, I mean, I loved it. I um, <laughs> I was talking to my best friend about it. I was like, girl, like you need to get on your Netflix and watch this movie now. And she actually did. She enjoyed it. So I'm glad I found some other people that liked the movie too. Um, yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. I hope it comes out like on DVD or Blu-ray. I know... Uh, Netflix is kind of weird about releasing their material for people to buy it. So I really hope they release this because I want to buy it. And yeah. Yeah, I feel like the special features for this would be. Oh, yeah. I would definitely love to see like the whole concept, like how they came up with this whole story. Because, oh, gosh. Like like I said before, I felt like I was on this this high watching this film and I was I was satisfied. Well, going. Oh. So I think that there. I was gonna say going go with that like twists and turns. That's it, it. It was. I'd be really curious too to see uh, how they they went about this. Like, were they intentionally like we don't want you to know what's coming ever, and that's why there's so many twists and turns, or was it more like an approach in their storytelling? Because. There are a lot of twists and turns in this. And I love, like, with this movie, they only released that one trailer. And, like, after watching that trailer, I'm like, oh, Charlotte's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Like, this is going to be all about her, like, doing whatever it takes to destroy someone else's career because she's, she's jealous and she wants that life, life back. But, damn. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll just stop there. Because I feel like if I keep going, I'm going to Brandon, what about yourself? Um, when I first watched this, um, one thing I want to comment on is the twists aren't the kind of twists where it's like, oh my God, that really just happened. <laughs> All the twists did for me was make me go, oh, it gave me clarity and understanding because I'm not even lying. There are times where I'm like, what the, what the, what the fuck is going on right now? I don't understand. Um <clears throat> However, it was one of those movies for me where I started it and I couldn't stop. There are certain things where I was like, that didn't really just happen. And I had to like rewind it. I, I, I will say it's a very solid film, but um, I agree with <laughs> Devin for once. Oh, God, I don't believe I'm saying that. It hurts a little bit. Um, I agree with Devin where it's like one of those things where it's going to be like, yo, I need to tell everyone about how up this movie is when really you're just like nah it's just well created but once again it's just gonna be that thing where everyone's like oh this is so messed up it just reminds you when uh saw first came out and was like oh it's so messed up you have to see this i'm like nah it was solid but i mean (laughs) yeah (laughs) welcome to the dark side brandon (laughs) oh god i'm gonna start becoming a jerk like you maybe more just a pessimist (laughs) but no that's my opinion on it i think in all the movie is pretty solid it's a good fun easy watch uh but i do think as far as the quick googling jules just did 
this director's not very experienced in narrative of full feature films. And I think it kind of shows. There's a lot, couple of things where I wasn't satisfied with his choice for where the story goes as far as him showing it or the exposition of it. But it doesn't hurt my opinion of this movie. I watched it again today. So it's, I mean, like I said, it's I fun. It's just if you think too hard about it, there's I, I think a couple that holes. It really shows in in that the film is split into different acts, right? So each act is almost like a an episode because that's sort of the format that he's used to. So maybe he was trying to thread mm-hmm. the different acts in in where his strengths are in terms of you know television show directing and then trying to weave it into the fabric of a overarching larger story. So maybe that's kind of where his noviceness is shown in this in this like overarching fabric rather than in these like little snippets. Because if you look at each act, you're just like, wow. But then when you look at it kind of like as this broader narrative, you're like, oh, okay. And that's what I noticed when I was rewatching today. I was like, oh, okay. There are some spots. So not even going to lie. I'm like I'm mad sorry. because you said exactly what I was going to say, but I'm like really happy because you said it professor. way smarter than I was. <laughs> Just kidding. But thank you. <laughs> so getting into this film, we start with a small kind of flashback moment that isn't, ex- it reminded me of martyrs just cause we watched this recently. So if you guys have seen that, the opening similar, you have a, girl running and then you have a grown-up woman and it goes back and forth between and it isn't you only could assume that it's connected and it's the same woman you're just looking at two different points um but anyway we have the main protagonist and charlotte is on her way back to it tangent already does anyone wonder how charlotte is living in middle of america tending to her dying mother but still has enough money saved up to go to China on a whim. I have lots of questions. That Maybe are she like, had like an inheritance Whoa. or something. <laughs> well, like I was gonna say, she, mom died. So she got the will. Money. Her mom. It looked like she was in like an apartment in the city. Like if you look at the the sort of scenery out of the window from behind her sitting in that chair, like it it almost looked like an apartment. But then later on, we see her in a house that she's clearly living in. And it's like, yeah. okay, where did that come from? And like, you were just in China. How did you just buy a house? Like, I'm so confused. <laughs> and maybe there is a scene that shows her getting an inheritance and we just, it got cut for time. It Who was knows? only an hour and a half. So maybe they did cut some things. <laughs> yeah. They had to, cause Devin would have fell asleep. <laughs> I mean, I would have. So Charlotte finds her way back to China where her old, uh, I don't know the word for this, her old production company. What do you say for cellist? They belong to a music house? Nobody? Like a music computer? Okay. Yes, what they said. (laughs) So... (laughs) 
she goes back and returns and everyone's given her condolences, their condolences for her now deceased mother. And then we have Lizzie and Charlotte eventually meet each other for the first time. And there's an instant chemistry spark. Something's in the air, although there's no reason for them to be getting along this well in the beginning. I want to say, well, I mean, not poking they, any more holes just yet. Yeah, because they have kind of is in a way of when Charlotte was leaving the school and Lizzie was kind of going in like that symbolic, like changing of the 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 um, apprentice. I don't know. I guess you could say. Um, but then like Lizzie tells Charlotte, like, oh, my God, I've been in love with you since I watched you play when I was nine years old. So like there's I feel like there's a level yeah. of like fangirling between at least on Lizzie's end. I, yeah, but then on the on the other side, you look at it, you have Charlotte where it's like, this girl just wants to eat me up like a damn buttercup, and I'm going to let her because there's so much tension in the air that if someone threw something right across from us, the wire would break, and then next thing you know, they're like, why are we doing this on the middle of the floor, in, in the middle of a, a performance, mind you? So, so, so I mean, it's it's on both sides. It's just kind of very subtle to notice the 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 hints that are given well, to activate like, the, the, too the much thoughts. Spoilers, well, but the motivations are totally different. Like Charlotte's motivation is very different than Lizzie, who is at this point just enamored of meeting ah! her like childhood idol. Yeah, she yeah. just wants them jaws, like, and Charlotte hey, wants something hey, completely different. Them. Well, and that's my thing. Did Charlotte come preloaded based on assuming Lizzie would have admiration for her? I don't think so. Just because of how Charlotte was speaking to her from like their very first like words to each other. It was like flattery, 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 like wink, wink. I want to get myself (laughs) into a position close to you. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I agree. But then, so what I'm getting at, and everyone is not seeing the way I saw it, (laughs) that's fine, is that she's been researching Lizzie. I'm not even sure if Charlotte was gay. I think that that's part of it. Like she is, in her mind, trying to accomplish a goal. Because her first goal didn't work, which you see her failed attempts at suicide when she gives the guy a hug. So then it's like, this isn't her first plan. Why is she here? And they do a couple cuts of she was obviously in some type of preventative care place or mental care place or something where they got to shave your head and give you electroshock therapy place. A very extreme form of um, treating depression is using electroshock. And in some depressive cases, like that's one of the only things that will work. Um, So if you've gotten yourself into a mental institution for whatever reason, and if they can't treat you with meds or whatever, they'll still, even to this day, use electroshock therapy if medications and things don't work yeah it's very extreme so they only use it like when all other things are not working but or if your depression is so severe um but yeah they they still do that i didn't know that either that's why i'm glad you're on the show tonight 
I told you I got all kinds of random knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> the more you know, insert rainbow banner behind. So as the night progresses, uh, Charlotte and Lindsay are in their flirting courtship, however you want to call it, and they agree to perform together. And this is when I make a, I'm going to make a call back right now to the movie poster. If you guys notice the perfection, the E is backwards. Anyone that has passed more math than me knows that that means it's a set kind of a play on the two of them are set. They're together. As That's what makes them I perfect. I saw the title screen. I was Which like, I there's something going cool. on here. There's a message. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, I'm missing oh, something. Yeah. I'm sure it's going to come to me eventually. And then I'll Well, and it's like the final the scene like too, before you go to credits, like the, okay. the title comes back up and you're like, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, they play, and then they, and play. Then they go out and play, <laughs> and then they go to the play. I knew someone was going to say it. <laughs> and then this is where you notice the musical notes, which uh, I don't, I can't read music that well, so I don't know if that's just a tattoo or if that's a real note. Yeah. Do you guys? Have it's a tattoo of an eighth note. And and an actually, note. the first time that you see yeah. this is when Charlotte, before she gets to China is walking through the street and, mm-hmm. like, looks up and sees that big, splashy picture of Lizzie uh, on, like, a big building. And you can mm-hmm. see the tattoo in that shot. Yep. And so, like, I think that that might be the moment that, like, sparks a lot of things, whether it be jealousy or other motivations, whatever. But, like, as soon as she sees that tattoo and that big, splashy spread, I think that's that's, like, a thing. So, wait, so do you guys think that she came up with this idea of revenge like once she got in Shang- no, I think Shanghai she or does she it. have like, that? Think, does she go to I Shanghai think, with this plan? I think like in some of the, okay. the sort of exposition that you learn later on, you know, oh, I saw you and all this stuff. And I think I think right. that when she saw that photo, that's when the gear started <laughs> to turn for her. I'll reserve my comments for when we yeah, can't have spoilers. I real hard. To say. Well, I think the soapbox is ready. If you guys are saying that, because two eighth notes make a quarter note, right? And then there's four acts of this film. So I think there's some play here, or I'm just wildly making that up. But not the math part. That part's right. An eighth and an eighth that. is a quarter. Good job. <laughs> music part. <laughs> yes, very confident in that. <laughs> that makes me very happy. <laughs> but the the other part could be a stretch, but I think that it's interesting if they both are eighth notes, and then they both have a story here, and there's four parts of the film. I think maybe the note is symbolic in that some other be. way. Very well, could be. Yes, I own it. Um, so you guys ever seen the movie Turistas? I promise I'm going to bring this full circle. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, Bentley I did, and it left my mind. Well, no, it left my mind because it was not the greatest film in the world. <laughs> Bentley, not a fan. <laughs> the reason why I bring this up is because in that film, it plays on the urban legend of 
uh, kidneys and things being stolen, waking up in tub of ice. Right. And then when I see the next morning, the women wake up and uh, Lizzie has a hangover, presumably. I was just thinking to myself, I was like, who hooks up with a complete stranger in a foreign country and takes medicine from them? Like, if it's Lizzie's room, wouldn't she just have whatever she needed in that room? You would know think, but that that that's that's one of the things that actually totally one hundred percent irked me. Is I'm like, let's just say you know, I wasn't married. And I went and got some buns or something, right? Went and got some buns. Number one, why are you going to stay with that person? Because me, I'll be like, I gotta go, or you gotta go. Your Uber's here. Your Uber's here. Leave. Um. Anyways, sorry, I got distracted there. But number two is this, and this is the big one. Right. I'm not going to ask nobody to get me no medicine because, first of all, I would have looked at that and been like, huh, this yeah, ain't the ibuprofen good. I normally have in my room. So I'm not taking this. <laughs> Obviously, you're up to something. You're trying to make sure that, you know, I don't wake up or some crap like that. That's that's my first big point. But number two is this. All the viewers should have known at that point when she starts pouring them pills out, you're like, that's a prescription bottle. Huh. Huh. I talked to one other person who watched it, and they're like, oh, well, I mean, that's perfectly normal. I was like, it's a prescription bottle, you I mean, you're going to give her alcohol to take it down with? Hell I mean, no. even if it is ibuprofen, like, that'll cause your stomach to bleed. You don't do that shit. Right. That's like, that's like common rule number one. When you, don't, you don't mix ibuprofen or anything. Do not take it with alcohol. It tells you on the label. You don't mix any medicine with alcohol. You're just asking for trouble. And Lizzie was just too trustworthy. And Charlotte's Punani must have been really good for her to just go ahead and take the medicine like that. Go, going going back saying, to the, 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 to the, the like staying with the, someone the, that you don't know the, though. The, but think of think about it, right? Like they're from this elite academy that they lived at for like four years plus where the headmaster and the assistant headmaster or whatever you want to call them, director, are like their family. So this is like staying with a cousin or a sibling that you didn't live with for very long as a child, right, in their minds, right? So I, I, so, I agree with the whole medicine. But, but in their minds as well. <laughs> it, it's, you already know I'm getting on. If they're like supposed to be like family, why you like you're not gonna be as questioning or reserved with this person because they're they're close, right? Because they've lived in the environment that you have and like have experienced this like ridiculously strict training in the same way that you have. So you feel like a closer connection to them already. But I a hundred percent agree with you on the medicine and all that other bullshit. But like I could see where at least in terms of like the storyline that maybe it wouldn't be so weird for them to like shack up in a hotel room together because. Well, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I just saw the shot and I took it because it made me laugh, but no, I mean, realistically speaking, no, it's not uncommon. You got to think about it. Once again, military, oh, yeah. I can't tell you how many times where it's been like, Hey, I'm crashing here. We, we work together. We have to defend each other. We have, this commonality that was established by our job and lifestyle so it's cool yeah i mean even when i lived on the air force base like new new people in my ex's shop would come in and they'd stay with us all the time until they could get their apartment or their dorm or whatever it was and that's just you know you don't question it even if they are like 
crazy and weird. Like you, you just don't, it, it is part of the community and the culture. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. So, but still the medicine, no, no. The medicine is a total no, no, <laughs> but we can argue and reason all the other parts. Well, let's fast forward to when she re-ups her dose. So they go about the city and eventually they get plane bus tickets, get on this bus. Lizzie's head is still pounding. At this point, Charlotte pulls out the pill bottle and you can clearly see it's not ibuprofen. And Lizzie takes like five or six of them, which on an empty stomach, I have never taken that many anything in my life. So I don't know. It hurts. What uh, Lizzie thought might happen or what the best case scenario she thought she wasn't going to feel better. Um, yeah, that like so that, that I got really hung up on that for a while, and that's why I'm mentioning it. But me, I'll let but it like, go. All right, dude. Like that's that's not that's not how it would go. Yeah, yeah. There were definitely moments in here where I was like, "This is like too real contrived and doesn't no. feel like a natural that's flow." Borderline. I mean, I guess for me, like one way I was able to explain all that in my head was that Lizzie implied that she led a very sheltered life and her, she had a very limited social life as well. So certain things, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if she would have known or even thought about the, you know, the dangers of just like when she and Charlotte, you know, went back to the apartment and they share their love with each other. I took it as more of them just <laughs> having sex. <laughs> I took that as in like really expressing themselves with their their other half because they're in a certain world where very few people know what it's like. So they were they were a having sex, but they're also communicating in this weird symbolic way. So when Charlotte say, "Hey, take this ibuprofen," she's not Lizzie isn't even thinking of, thinking of any danger that's involved. She's just she's taking the ibuprofen. Just put all that together, together was beautiful, Devin. <laughs> Why are you making me look like a heathen for saying bust and cheeks? That does make sense. But here's the thing, though. Like, it makes sense in the hotel room, right? Because she's, like, up and kind of in the bathroom. And it's like Charlotte's just handing it to her. But, like, the scene on the bus where she is just, like, watching Charlotte pour it out of a, a prescription bottle. And it's, like, these big old blue pills. Like, and then she grabs, like, a fistful of them. Like, that's when I'm, like, all right. You, you done fucked up, girl. Like you brought you brought this on yourself yeah. at this point. I take like one like eight hundred milligram ibuprofen, and I have like the worst stomach ache. I can only imagine like a fistful of even if it were ibuprofens. Let me put it like this: I'm trained to take ibuprofen for everything. That would have hurt my stomach. I would have been like, I'm done. This is the end. I'm dying. This is the end. I hated this bus. As, as they progress down the trip, their road, their uh, vacation, Lizzie becomes violently ill. And I don't wish this on anyone, but it was for me the funniest point in the movie where she's trying to get the bus driver to stop. And finally, the bus driver stops. And she's like, Lizzie, come on. She's like, no, if I move, I'm going to shit myself. That was funny. And I was just, 
I know, know that I feeling. Was dying <laughs> actor, but I, I, I've known. Yeah, I was gonna say I know that feeling. I all too Listen, there's somebody who felt like Lizzie this entire weekend. I give, her, I, give <laughs> I give Rogan props yeah. for able to be serious while saying that. Because if I were to be like, if I were her, I would be busting out laughing. I'm gonna like, shit myself. Come on, I gotta shit. If I if I move, I'm gonna shit. End game. Right. End game. Arguably, some of the best acting in the film is in that moment. And uh, <clears throat> I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I do empathize with people who have been in that situation. because I've definitely been in that situation. And it's not fun. And then for that them, sucks. even semi-illustrated, when she did deboard the uh, bus, was like, oh, they're not afraid to go there. Are we are we like into spoilers here now? Are you gonna you gonna like warn people? <laughs> Spoiler alert! If you don't want to hear, this thank you. Ten minutes. <laughs> I mean, because I feel like that's like really the big first spoiler like everything else is like once you realize that yeah we've been hinting at it that they're not fucking uh ibuprofens but the fact that they are hallucinogen uh hallucinogenic as as a side effect especially when mixed with alcohol yeah but you don't see that until it rewinds yeah yeah Oh, there's a rewind? Good thing we said spoilers. <laughs> okay, so like you see in the trailer, Lizzie chops her arm off. But shortly after that, the film jumps back and we see how we really got to that point. So it's more of a sleight of hand type deal in this rewind. But would you really consider it a sleight of hand if homegirl did not even know she was not taking ibuprofen because she did not look at the pill bottle or anything else? Is it really a sleight of hand or is it just her own stupidity? I'm going to go with stupidity, uh, but it is a big reveal to the audience. that well, I think the way we realize the only thing I picked up the first time is where she got the cleaver from. Well, it, it, it does the cleaver, but then it also shows when she's, like, brushing something off of um, Lizzie's back where she was like, oh, it was a bug. She wasn't doing that. She was trying to, like, make her uh, paranoid to, like, in, it, to induce the hallucinogenic effects. Right. Yo. It was Inception to the extreme, except for not in the dream form. Like, the the whole bug thing happened i was like okay there's a sign i missed that the first time i actually rewound the video movie and i was like oh she didn't say anything but then you look at the fact that she like she was doing everything she can to try to activate that hallucinogenic effect like first when she threw she's like oh my god are those bugs are those fucking bugs and then you look at you're like nothing dude on the review on the review the first time you see the puke on the window there's nothing there it's just like the plain puke. But then after Charlotte's like, oh my God, are those fucking bugs? Then when the camera pans back, then they've gone in and CGI edited and made it look like there are bugs in there. So you can kind of see the layers of like reality versus, you know, the, I guess the, the inception of, of this idea. And, and that's the like thing is that they did a really head. good job with it because yeah. they kind of, they, they made right. the viewer think, oh, 
am I tripping? Did I miss that? Like I said, I had to rewind it too because I was like, I missed something. But no, there really wasn't. But so it kind of like a whole lot of fuckery. Like pieced it together. It was like your second hint of there's some fuckery going on. I agree. Uh, there's a degree of so. Let me rewind it even further back to the beginning. So we see the Asian gentleman start puking at the event. Do you all think that Charlotte orchestrated that? I don't know when she would have had a chance. Um, it's possible, but I don't think it's as she would have needed to to do something. But also, then the other people who are chattering around are like, "Oh, there's something going on down near the border." So, like, not only would she have had to put something in his drink to make him throw up, like, she would have needed to co-opt conspirators to, like, be like, oh, there's there's a thing going on, right? The, the, she has a severe lack of access. So if you think about it like this, she has no reason to have access to that person because I do believe he was a parent of one of the students. Um, she has no reason to have access to communicate or anything like that with that person. But I... I don't think that she did. She yeah. doesn't have to have access to him. She just has to have access to the drinks. But would she have that? I think is the question. All right, I'm gonna, yeah, I don't see what her motivation is. I'm going yeah, to, because this whole time she's just coaching Lizzie. She isn't, she's planning all the stuff in Lizzie's thing, right? So someone getting sick in front of Lizzie is a win for her. The reason I asked this is because you guys noticed that the guy throws up and it's yellow and she, Lizzie throws up, it's yellow. Normally you only get yellow vomit when it's bile. And the bile would happen between pills for your liver. If the other women hadn't been there and been like, oh yeah, there's like a, a virus going on down by the border. Like if that, if those women in that statement hadn't been there, I would totally buy that Liz, that, Charlotte did something. Um, but I don't know that she would have had the time or the foresight to have the have co-opted these conspirators for her. Like it was elaborate and all, but I don't think it was that elaborate. People gossip. You know? So it's just like they were talking about the people having an affair in the when they're during the recital. This woman just heard something about the flu and she's pretending to be in the know, so she wants to say something. Just being devil's advocate. I mean, you're right in that, the, and I noticed that too when I was watching it, that the the bile puke was the same between the two people, or between the guy and yeah. between Lizzie. Um, yeah. I think, I mean, I don't know what term this the, this really applies to, but it's like a red herring for storytelling. Um, like pretend you've never seen the preview before. You're just going into this movie cold. Mm-hmm. So that me. will put in right. So that will put in your your head that yeah. maybe there's some epidemic going around, and this is eventually what um, Lizzie yeah. gets before we find out about the twist. I yeah, I don't think that was really meant to serve the story other than that. Suggest or foreshadow. Well, I mean, it kind of served the the freakout moment that it had. I think that's why they put it there. Other than that, there's. I mean, that's the only reason why I feel like that that scene was there. So after we get the reveal that there's a twist, we go into section two, chapter two, act two, the detour, in which we find out that Lizzie survived. 
and she's trying to get back into her academy. And they're not really yeah. into it, but they let her stay for a brief period of time, it looks like, eventually kicking her out. And then that's when she wants to exact yeah. her revenge. I don't I didn't really take away much from this other than exposition. Like just developing the story. I don't think there's anything meaty here. Uh, and then we get to the third act, home. Somehow Lizzie has tracked down Charlotte this time, invades her house, beats no. her up, tases her. Yeah, she's captured. And then that's when we get, no, we don't, right? That's when she's captured. So the Academy. we bring her back to, I forget <laughs> Stephen Weber's character's name, Anton. <laughs> Uh, where Anton and Paloma um, are excited to see Charlotte for some creepy reason. And then that's where we get into the... She's got both her hands. <laughs> Damn. Wow. You, you think that that's it? Or is it she's the one that got away? Uh, maybe a little bit of both, but she also has both her hands. <laughs> True. I mean, this is the part where we learn and then... This cult, or they call it the but church or the chapel second, or something right? like that. Because it's important to note that Anton and Paloma kick Lizzie out because she only has one hand, right? They're like, you can't stay here. This isn't a convalescent home. You're not allowed to teach. You're not allowed to do anything. We are removing you from our life because she's useless. So that's why she goes to Charlotte's house. Beats the shit out of her and then brings her back to because she was useless. The academy, right? They're like, "Here, this, I brought you what you want, the bitch." <laughs> right? Who has both her hands? So you know, <laughs> who's in my trunk? Uh, but I, I mean, I think it's important like, in in two respects, right? Like, she's <laughs> a person who got away, but she's also a person who's been trained by them and. They seem to value those people for a specific reason. You find out that this is part of their plan to find the perfect cellist or player or performer is not just Charlotte. It's not just Lizzie. It's their program. As soon as someone ages out, I want to say, I want to believe they're not murdering these girls after they've tortured them uh, through their years. But it's kind of unclear, like, who was before Charlotte? You know, like, that girl's not a baller. I think it was Paloma, honestly. Yeah, because the way that they made it sound was that, like, it's an indoctrination between all the people who are are part of this, right? So Anton, Paloma, and then the other two guys. So Paloma was the first two. Uh, I I don't remember their names. But... I think that it's it's like if you reach this level, if you attain this level, then you're part of our inner circle. And I don't know that anyone before Charlotte ever got there. Well, but Steve Anton even says, like, this is how my father did this to me. This is how my grandfather did it to me. So it feels like it's a generational indoctrination. And like Anton and Paloma were like the most recent ones because the two other guys are a little bit older than them. Right. So then like Lizzie and Charlotte would be like the next generation to come up into this inner sanctum. I'm processing all this in real time because that never crossed my mind. I always pictured them as 
an actual just sick couple, not a student. No, they, they talk about they talk about how this is how my right. grandfather envisioned the school. This is how it's always been. So it makes you feel like that was done to them too. See, I didn't come away with that. That was that's what I'm saying. Like you're blowing my mind right now. <laughs> I took it as in this is the way we run the school, not this is the I was a victim too. No, he doesn't. Like I never looked at Anton as a victim. He doesn't look at himself Even as when a he victim. Said that. He he thinks that it made him better and made him more uh, qualified to serve the position that he's in. And that's why and that's why he talks the way he talks. He acts the way he acts because he's in a position of power due to his struggles in his mind. Right. I understand what I'm doing to you because I've been through it, but I can tell you from my own experience, it'll make you better. It's like <laughs> cult thinking. To like, like right. really to the T. <laughs> Looks like I need a third watch. Or at least the last act. Nah, I think you just have two extremely over-analytical people. Well, I, I think about it in terms of, like, the cycles of abuse that happen. And, and like, from a psychological standpoint of, like, how do you in- indoctrinate people into cults? How do you mm-hmm. keep those cults going for generations and generations? Whatever they are. Um, and And for the people to grow up and and to stay part of those organizations like you have to accept it you have to believe that it's for some higher power whatever it is so when i saw this i saw it through the lens of like he was ritually he he was in this same position and you know he is now perpetrating the same acts that were done to him because it's it's from this place of like it'll make you stronger it'll make you better it'll make you closer to god I have a great example to 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 mm-hmm. show that, but I have to wait until till Gray gets to the part where I can actually express that. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, all right. I, I just have one more question then. Is that if this was a like you said, classic abuse is hand me down, why did they ever allow Charlotte to leave? Yeah. It, she had a legitimate reason. No, but if your indoctrination is to rape and abuse children until they become like you. There should be a fear of we're letting this 18, 19 year old girl into the world knowing what she knows. Well, she was only like what? 14 when she left. It wasn't like she was like way older and there's such a prestigious school. Like, I don't know that they would have believed her. And well, the other thing is that th- being that she's at that age, the, the amount of traumatization that happened would take extreme therapy for her to acknowledge it happened instead of watching it to the back of her mind first. And second is that that's not really – due to the fact that, once again, it happened to them and they, they are the examples, all the students already know, hey, if this happens to me, I'm not going to say anything. They never said anything. They, they, they mentioned it in passing, but they have not – like because. Literally, if they would have told anyone else, they were like, yo, we need to go investigate. I think the school's been around for a long time from what I understand from the movie's background. And there's also like day students and boarding students. And so I think you would assume that if it were happening, it would be happening to more students and not just one. You know, like it's not like 
Well, not. I don't know how many boarding students they have, but like it, you know, it's just this one person. Um, I think and, in a long scheme, if they, if let's say she went out into the world, said, "Hey, I was abused here," at some point they do a physical exam of her, and then they'll go in the house. They have to do a physical exam of all the children there. At some point, they will see all the kids with the eighth note tattoo. And they'll be like, why do some kids have an eighth note tattoo and some don't? Well, the thing is, they also yeah, they also said it was reserved for the prodigies. And as far as I know, there's what? One, two, three. Like maybe four or five who are truly at that level. But you, you can't brand children. So that means that they have to go through the trouble of... Huh? But you can't brand children. Well, this is where you no, have you to can't. accept that this is a... That part, I'll give you that. <laughs> a movie. <laughs> I mean, but it's, I mean, you're right, though. It is a big plot hole. Like, why would they have let her go if they were abusing her? And why would they not? Like, what, what kind of things would they have put in place to, you know, basically scare her into not talking about it if they're going to let her go? Yeah, and I guess you made me think of something else, too, because... In my mind, I had 18, 19 years old when she left. And you're saying she left when she was 14 because of the way she looked when she walked down the steps, coupled with the story of her being nine and her being 14. But then what 14-year-old goes to take care of a grown-ass woman by herself? As long as we're going to her flat No child, no father. Yeah. That doesn't, no one would let a 14-year-old be. She has no choice but to. If she's the sole survivor... She has no choice but to. No one would allow that. I think that it was more like you need to go home because your mom is sick and dying. Uh, And then, like, as she got older and her mom's illness, like, prolonged, then more of the responsibilities went to, like, literally taking care of her. I'm not sure. But that was kind of, like, how I took it when I was watching it. And Anton and Paloma, they went through this, so they didn't tell anybody. So they're probably just going under the assumption that all of them are a part of this elite group that yeah. won't, you know, spill the secrets to the outside world. Yeah, I mean, I agree to an extent, but it's like you can't you can't bank on every abused child never telling. I mean, the Catholic Church would love but it. They also probably didn't count on, you know, having someone leave. Yeah. Did y'all question why they decided to go to Shanghai to pick up a new student? Yes. Due to the fact that a lot of um, Chinese uh, parents, definitely when it comes to the better areas, they train their children to grow up to be something in a specific area. So, great example. If you want to go find the best celloist, I'm going to go to China and go find one of the schools because the thing is their parents sit there. They hammer that into them. That's why people – and make note, don't believe the stereotype at all. I've seen it proven wrong. People always joke about um, a lot of Asian kids being good at math because the Asian culture says you will be good at this if you are going to go to school for it. You will be the best. You will train on this every day nonstop until you go to sleep. And when you wake up, you'll do the same thing. So it's kind of under that, that – uh, uh, state of mind that school of mindset of we're going to teach you how to do this and you're going to hate it so much because we make you do it so much but you'll make money right i know because like during some of the dialogue they're like well anton loves to go to exotic places and find his students there and they're name off, name off some of the like places that he 
found some of the students, but like the last two, they weren't really exotic. So weren't they just like some podunk places in the United States? Yeah, well, they're maybe, like Tampa, Oklahoma, blah, blah. Maybe he is picking from obscure places where people wouldn't notice. You would notice if your kid from Tampa went missing in Boston. True. But I can okay. see that. <laughs> would you? Yeah, yeah, I caught that part. Yeah. I mean, you think about like the, the gymnastics. The, the kids who get trained in gymnastics for like the national team for China or whatever, like it's like, you're three years old. You are going away to live in this commune where we will train you to be the best gymnast ever. Yes. At three years old. That was the, um, part of that. That was hyperbole, but <laughs> I don't actually know if it's three. <laughs> That's why, uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, Yao Ming suffered from that too, right? Came to the United States, yeah. Houston Rockets, seven foot, however tall he is. And then his paycheck wasn't really his paycheck. And then he couldn't play for the United States Olympic team. And, you know, like China controlled him 100%. So it's easier to stop playing. <laughs> For the sake of time, let's just move forward to the ending. Uh, the girls team up together to exact their revenge on Anton, which I'm not really sure. There's a there's a shuffle. There's a fight. They kill Paloma. At some point, uh, Charlotte takes a knife through the arm, uh, which was an awesome shot. Yeah, that was some really great body horror. I was like, wow, that looks painful. I'm feeling this. <laughs> yes. Um, but the thing that I guess I didn't follow exactly was the time skip. So the movie kind of ends with showing Anton a quadriplegic in a feeding tube in his nose. But it doesn't really say... Hey, what they do with the dead bodies? How does she, Charlotte, get her arm removed? Like, it wasn't buttoned up nicely. Not that it has to be, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was really upset with that, actually, when I was watching the end. I was like, where the fuck did the IV come from? Where Who was cauterizing and amputating these things? Who, like, where did you get the, the needles and sutures for Anton's eyes mm-hmm. and mouth because those were stitched shut so i was like who 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 has these medical skills who who did this like are we supposed to think that this happened like within the span of like a week from the shuffle or is this supposed to be like, i think this was a moment where the director was trying to mimic like, um, the like, from boxing helena more than tell a complete narrative because i t- totally picked up boxing helena from this you're the, like the second person. I pegged for American Mary. Oh. Hmm. A friend of mine, she brought up Boxing Helena, too. Yeah. Have you, yeah. Have you guys ever seen that? It's been a minute. No. Uh, yeah. It's interesting. But it, it's one of those things of, was he just going for that? Just nodding to one of his favorite movies? Which... Left me wondering more about that situation than paying attention to 
the end scene is the two girls playing the song with their working limbs that they have left. So Charlotte has the bow and Lizzie has the fretboard. And fun fact, both these women learned to play the cello in real life so that they could do this movie. Nothing is fake, that nothing is, is CGI. They, they're doing it. So I would like to call this shot the money shot because it is an awesome shot. But I feel like me just having all those questions about what the fuck is going on with Anton just took away from that reveal of them playing as almost one. The first one. time through, I was just kind of Did like, anyone else have that kind of effect or? Because like, where, when did Charlotte lose her arm? Like I, I spent more time like staring at the fact that she only had one arm now than like actually appreciating like the cinematic view of these two women playing this cello together. And, and so I found it distracting because I was left with questions and I felt like I couldn't appreciate like just what the the end package was supposed to be. I think she lost her arm when she, it got sliced up by Anton. Oh, oh no, I know. Yeah. She, but she didn't like, he didn't cut it off. He just like put the, the knife through. But so we see her like crumpled up in the corner with this like bloody mess of an arm. Like obviously like she couldn't use it, like tore up all the muscles and the ligaments and stuff like that. But like going from this bloody mess of a fight to now they're cleaned up and he's like sitting there with his IV. Like I was just left with, with questions and I, and I found it kind of distracting. Well, for me, it was the fact that the scene change for it was um, very sudden. And because, you know, you, like I say, you just got done win- witnessing a massacre. Well, not a, ma- a massacre of one man's, you know, pride, body, soul, all that good stuff. And they kept him alive, too. But then, like I said, well, I mean, like like Joel said, everyone's cleaned up all nice. It's all calm and beautiful. Yeah. I'm like, look, you can't shock my system like that. I expect me not to have um, 21 questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's what I just took yeah. away. I wish it could have been stronger. Uh, and it felt uh, rushed, honestly. And it's not like the runtime in the movie was horribly long. It's only an hour and a half. Like you could have taken another, even like three to five minutes, and and had some thread of going from that fight to this beautiful ending. That could have, like, even just, like, a montage of, like, you know, whether they're sewing up Anton's face or whether they're, you know, cutting off uh, Charlotte's arm and, like, cauterizing it themselves. Like, you could you could patch together something that would just, like, give you a transition that wouldn't leave the audience just being like, wait, what the fuck? I just processed this crazy fight, and now these two beautiful women are, like, playing this piece... And one is the bow and one's the fret forward hand. Like, yeah, I, it just felt funky. Totally agree. Like if they would have worked that, like exactly what you described of, let's say a shot Mm -hmm. of them disposing the bodies, them cauterizing wounds while they're playing kind of like they did in the first act, they showed them discovering each other while they're playing. And then you have the house lights up. And then let's say at the end of the montage, house lights go down and you see Anton just sitting there quadriplegic. Right. 
then that leaves you like, right. I don't need a lot of exposition, and it looks like it's set up for a sequel. And then I'm not asking a bunch of questions. Yeah, I don't feel like the actions That would have been more satisfying. I don't feel like the actions justify the means by any stretch of the imagination. Charlotte basically drugged this girl, tortured this girl to prove that she's, um, you know, not important in Anton's eyes. I, I just, if, like you said, if the ending had, had more meat to it, it wouldn't have felt as rushed. But in the end, it, just, it felt like it was executed more for an effect from the viewer to say, oh my gosh, that was fucked up. You have to see this movie. Okay, so so that's the one part. There's one thing you said where I'm going to disagree. The thing that made sense was everything she did to, to show to show um, Lizzie that she was not important to Anton. Because, you gotta remember, she had to go through shock therapy for depression and all the stuff that happened to her. That shock therapy gave her clarity. The thing is that she was brainwashed. Everyone there is brainwashed. You need another traumatic experience to reveal, hey, you've been brainwashed. This is coming from, from um, a personal experience standpoint. It takes traumatic events to make you realize other traumatic events sometimes. Once she saw she was no longer important, because that's one thing we left out, was the flashback. Left out the flashback, um, but it shows them, like, you know, collaborating and everything else. Yeah, like, that she's what the they were like, doing to oh, me was I feel horrible because this is what it took for me to realize better. that he didn't love me. It was just rape. So it, it, yeah, and then it shows, because the big dramatic reveal of, oh, I had to cut my hair because they shocked me with stuff happened. And then it made sense because that was the only way to kind of like fully clear the mind of everything that happened and give clarity. Can on, I be petty hey, for a minute? Everything and that happened at that, that school was like, fucked up. For Allison <laughs> so that made Williams, sense. Um, when she was in that fight, fight where she yeah, had the short do it. Oh my hair gosh. after this traumatic with. It was such a fucking shitty wig. Like, <laughs> you could see the glue line on mm-hmm. her face. It was so distracting. I was like, dude, bitch, why can't you just actually <laughs> shave your head? Like, like pull a Natalie Portman. Just, like, actually shave your head. Your hair grows back. I've done it before. Like, <laughs> you know, just do it. Like, it, the wig was so distracting to me mm-hmm. in that fight scene, especially when they did that camera point of view from, like, her chest and, like, just watching, like... I was all I was doing was just watching the like the lines mm-hmm. of oh, the glue God. on her face where they glue the wig on. And I was just like it was awful. <laughs> yeah, I was too. Cause I'm sitting here like, well there there are a lot of women where if they shave their head, you're just sitting here like, damn. Oh god. Damn girl, you know they had full attention. They you can still look great with a shaved head. <laughs> Once again, Natalie Portman pulled it off because oh my goodness. Right, I was like, "Good Lord, have mercy!" But I, I, I feel like I would have, it would have had the same effect. Where I was like, "Hey, what's up, girl? What's your name? What's your sign?" But you gonna give her a fucking wig? Not okay. And, and they didn't even do a good job. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I know Joey King. Is that her name? She's got that Hulu show where she just shaved her head for the show. I'm trying not to reference the Slender Man, but she was in that. <laughs> um, on a positive note, I'm not sure how many of you guys focused on this, but um, during Stephen Weber's reveal, 
he was hanging a little long in that blurred shot. Not sure if you guys Oh that. my god. Dang a line, dang a line. I was like, oh. <laughs> I see you. I don't know if that was a prop or not. You know, I, saw I was like, okay. They probably made it blurry for a reason. The first half of this movie, <laughs> watching him and trying to not think about that 90s TV show, Wings. That oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was just sitting there, and I was just like, this is the fucking Wings guy. <laughs> like, yes, that's what I know him from, too. <laughs> you're, like, a raping and abusing perfectionist and and you're the wings guy you i used to watch that with my grandma oh my god <laughs> i think about that every time i see um the guy that plays sandman and uh spider-man oh, yes. he was lowell on the show so it's like whenever i see him i, I think of lowell i don't know his real name Nah. If you want to see um, Steven Weber, you can watch him in the <laughs> Shining remake. He took over Jack Nicholson role. Um, he was yeah in the in the in the TV miniseries. Oh, is it John in the movie yeah. or the remake? They renamed him He's John. John. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's weird. Huh? And then is that a rights issue? I, don't know. I mean, like if you look at the. Yeah, if you look at it. Is that because of rights? Like Stephen King wasn't on board? No, he produced it. It was like 90, 97? Yeah, he actually authorized the remake because he didn't like the Stanley Kubrick version. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That is very widely known. He did a good job (laughs) letting everyone know that. (laughs) Yeah, John Torrance, I think is what it was. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, dude, really? You're going to, like, rename That's the character? Weak. Okay. <laughs> um, one thing that that I, I noticed that I just kind of want to point out um, throughout the whole movie, like, from the beginning when Anton is, like, talking about both of the girls and, and their cellist playing, like, he's always talking about how he's close to God, right? Like, oh, this is the closest to God that I want to be or, you know, um, without being dead, basically, is what he's saying. And then each of these girls is like a vessel for the Holy Spirit. Like you can, it, looking back, you you get like all of these like iconic sort of like cult mentalities of like, you know, religion and superiority and stuff like that. And that was really interesting um, how then you go to the chapel, right? And the way that it's lit, the backlighting almost looks like... Um, uh, Renaissance paintings of the Madonna with yeah. like the golden halo around their heads and stuff like that. So I think that that was really nice imagery um, utilized throughout the film and sort of like, um, you know, nods, nods to that. I just wanted to get that out because I appreciated that. Well, if no one else has anything else, I'm going to call it. That is our review of the perfection now available on Netflix Check it out if you haven't seen it. I gave you guys a little bit of homework. <laughs> in theme with this week's movie, I thought it would be fun to have a general discussion about your perfect horror movie. Now, this is just your opinion. What film is it for you that checks off all the bells and whistles as far as you enjoying it? Ash, 
I'm gonna let you start first because you said you had two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I always have to go first. No, I nominate Jules. Let her take some of the heat. Oh shit. Um, <laughs> I don't have one. Uh, okay. All right, then Devin go. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Devin. Okay, so mine is sort of straightforward. Ashes was no, no. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Devin, go ahead. My top, like, one of what? my favorite movies, one of my top three favorite <laughs> movies of all time is Nightmare on Elm Street. Having said that, I'll say Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 is the perfect horror movie. Because it's a sequel, your expectations are a little bit lower. And this is in the 80s before producers and writers really stepped up their game to create a you know satisfiable horror sequel. But this one amped up the, the suspense, the terror, the character development, everything from the first one and obviously from part two. You have the return of Nancy, who went from an uneven performance in the first one to a stronger performance in the third one. You had a more seasoned adult cast including Larry Fishburne as he was called back then um, it <laughs> it also yes. you know uh, I guess improved on the characters from the, and I won't say improved but enhanced the characters you have more characters for Freddy to play around with the special effects were also top notch the deaths went from being you know pulled into your bed and killed off screen to having all of your ligaments come out of your body and you being used as a puppet and also the threat of teenage suicide was much more prevalent in this sequel than it was in any other films in the franchise. And it also gave us Freddy's backstory, which is a little problematic now, but back then it, it's, it worked. So that's my perfect horror movie. It's funny that that is your movie because I just, I was reading about this film today just for fun. And uh, two takeaways I had from this article is that, Heather Lankenkamp actually hated this role. She thought it was dumb and she was too close in yeah, she was too close in age to the teens to be an yeah, adult sure. figure for them. Like she never understood why they thought that was good at uh thing. And then uh Jennifer Rubin, who plays uh Taryn. Taryn, sorry, I'm blinked for a second. Uh she still to this day gets emails and fan mail how watching this film helped people stop their drug addiction. Really? I was like, wow, I never really thought about that. I mean, I wasn't doing drugs in the eighties. So I wasn't like drugs are bad other than the dare program, but yeah, I graduated from the dare program. Thank you very much. (laughs) 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 <laughs> to keep kids off drugs. Oh, oh man. I did too, but that did not I think my we, like changed all of our dare stuff to like keeping oh, kids man. off drugs because everyone my was version like, years. having sex and stuff like that. We're like, yeah, say no to drugs. Let's go fuck. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I Brandon, how about you? You're perfect film. Uh, it was like rough, but um, 
<laughs> I mean, that's just oh, a given. Oh, if you disagree with me, then you can go ahead and leave. Anyways, for me, my perfect horror film would have to be Saw 2, and I have honorable mention to 28 Weeks Later. Um, let's talk about Saw 2 first. With Saw 2, it wasn't as bad as Saw 1. Saw 1, it was pretty, well, I say bad. It was not as good as Saw 1 in terms of I'm more terrified of the fact that, you know, if I were in that situation, there's only one other person in the room and a dead body, I'm flipping the fuck out. Um, but Saw 2 continues to play on that more psychological horror of it gets into your head. You're like, what if? It plays off the what ifs in, in the whole thing. And I thought that was beautiful. I could rewatch that movie and I learned something new almost every single time. Um, and it's for... Uh, I'm trying to find words to put this in and I'm like really failing right now. Um, my bad. See, this is what happens when Ashley doesn't go first. It just ruins everything. You know um, what? Hey, hoodles. Uh, <laughs> It's kind of the the way that the that everything is done in terms of lighting, um, learning more about uh, Jigsaw. It really like kind of just hits hits perfectly for me. Um, then you also look at how big the Saw series got after Saw Two, because Saw One. Yeah, it started it. Saw 2, it grew. Saw 3, it grew exponentially. Then, you know, I don't know what happened. But that's neither here nor there. Um, now, the reason why I give props to 28 Weeks Later is because 28 Weeks... I, I have a obsession with zombies, as everyone already knows. 28 Weeks Later is really what kind of got the... the terrifying zombie stuff happening. Because, I mean, I mean... We, we've all seen the movies where, like, zombies move slow. It's fine. They're not going to catch us. And 28 weeks later, I've never seen zombies run that fast in my life. I was like, uh-uh, nope, nah, no, we're not doing this. So it kind of it struck true terror. And also because, let's just be honest here, at that point in time, the real enemy is either, you know, whatever bioterrorist, scientist, whoever created the shit. The real villain is a government agency or um, a a science uh, corporation with government funding. So it kind of proved a point there. Also, it was just the whole 28 days slash weeks, that, those two movies were just excellent films. Phenomenal. Wonderful. 10 out of 10. But yeah. <coughs> so one of my favorite and I think I'm going to be with Ash here and I have two, but for kind of different reasons, but 28 days later is, is one of my, what I think to be a perfect horror movie and for slightly different reasons. Um, but still going off of this zombie stuff, what I find most intriguing in the horror for zombie films is not necessarily the zombies themselves, right? Like the zombies are like this undying horde that are coming at you and what I love is how that threat brings out the absolute worst characteristics of humanity and brings out like just how horrible we can be to each other. Yes. And whether it's government, whether it's another person, I don't think that the horror itself is getting 
eaten by the zombie, what I think is the most scary fucking thing is what we do to each other in order Mm -hmm. to survive, right? And so for me, 28 Days Later is the better of the two because you can see in, um, God, I forget his character's name, but um, in Killian Murphy's journey from the hospital to like meeting the people to like going to this government run shelter where like the girl gets you know tied up and all those sorts of things um but it's it's the absolute depravity of shit that we do to each other and that's what i love about the 28 days movie so much um you're so uh, oh my goodness you just stole my heart right there play days (laughs) gone because you literally described days gone just now that's what that was The way I always saw this film was Danny Boyle updated Neither the Living Dead. And what I mean by that is that Romero always had social commentary as the real back note of the horror in the film. And, you know, from the zombies to the characters. I mean, if you look at, I want to say his name was Jim. Jim is Barbara and Selena is Ben. Like, it's almost spitting images of each other, just gender swaps. And I really like the film that. And of course, we got Faster Zombies, as you guys mentioned. Um, it's one of my top films, but not my perfect. Also, yeah, my my other because I have two. Sorry, I'm just gonna go now. I'm gonna take over time. Uh, my other one, I fucking love the 2018 Suspiria. I love it. I think that there is so much atmosphere to it. I'm a really big atmosphere person. Like you have to get me into a mood in order to really engross myself into a movie. And I think that Suspiria really did it. And then it ends with such a wonderful bloody mess of a demon and like a vagina chest, Um, (laughs) you know, so it hits, it hits on, on so many things. Like Susie uses her, her magic that, um, mother, uh, Madame Blanc gives to her. And then, um, Patricia or no, not Patricia. Um, Olga is like contorted and just like, abused and then the like the other mothers come in and they just have these fucking meat hooks and they haul her off and it's like that that to me hits on on pretty much everything that I want in a movie. You know what though? I didn't feel that the runtime was that long when I sat and watched it. Like I kind of turned it on and I was like, yeah, okay, this is this is a long movie. Like maybe I'll just watch part of it. But I was just engrossed in it. And by the end of it, watched it one sitting. Yeah, I watched it in one sitting. Easy peasy. I've watched it three (laughs) times. It's very possible, Devin. Like three three separate one sittings, not like three times back to back. Oh. Um, Okay. Yeah, no, no, that was not that committed. I was was like, damn, girl, Um, you committed. I (laughs) used to do ballet, and so a lot of of it, it, it like resonated for me on like a completely different level. Um, that I think just like your average horror viewer would would um, relate to it on. Um, so it, it just felt really personal to me. Um, and then just like the the witchy magic and the fucking contorted bodies and then the end of with like the amazing ritual and like the demon that comes out like that just 
to me was just like, wah. And then Tilda Swinton gets her like neck chopped off or sliced and she's just like gushing blood everywhere in this like gorgeous <laughs> red dress. So it was just very visually striking. Um, I really liked it. And she plays the old guy. She plays like three she different roles. She plays the old guy. She plays um, Madame, yeah. uh, Madame Blanc and the other one, Madame. Blanc? No, she Superior thinks that she's the of Mother Superior. No, but that's wrong. she's the um, Madame Marcos. That's yeah. what it is. Madame Marcos. So, yeah, Tilda Swinton. And yeah. It was just like awesome. <laughs> She's another lady crush that I have, but for a lot of different <laughs> <laughs> Just Can you guys imagine when you're doing a wardrobe test shot and they put a green screen on your chest and you're like, what's this for? It's like, oh, we got to see how the vagina shows <laughs> with this outfit. Like tear it your chest and, and we'll edit it in there later. <laughs> <laughs> I was a fan of the vagina monster. I really liked it. I was like, what? sharper teeth. Come on. <laughs> Once I realized what I was looking at, I was like, yes, that's brilliant. It's perfect. It fits. Well, it fits with like the, the mother theme too, right? Like uh, you, you will have no other mother except for me. And it's like, yeah. obviously she would have like a massive, like portal to hell vagina monster chest. <laughs> Anyway, those are my two movies. That was perfect. <laughs> if you guys are Earl Stein fans, they're coming out with back-to-back Fear Streets. I don't know how many there's going to be. I'm sure it's oh. out there, but I haven't read it. I'm not sure what you said, Ash. No, I was like, huh? Oh, yeah. So if you guys are fans, <laughs> they starts next year. They'll release one, and then it will keep going. If you guys are book fans, they released three new books this year. I, I happen to got all of them. I didn't, I didn't read. Because I'm still a kid. Well, if you guys have the time and you want to relieve your childhood, by all means, they did not disappoint. Just don't think too hard. <laughs> like, don't use your Turn adult brain your at adult all. Brain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my perfect film is I would assume you guys would probably think I'm going to say Halloween and I might still say Halloween, but I'm not going to say Halloween. Yep. You got it. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, The original 1974 film, not to be confused with 2003. I have run into people that don't know there's a 74 film and it breaks my heart. Yeah. Hold on. Are you serious? I assume they're (laughs) friends with Ash's coworker (laughs) because that's the only way to (laughs) <laughs> How old that's are these people? Yeah, that's my be. next question. How old are but these people? To, <laughs> well, you know, the, I work with us twenty-three. Yeah, the new generation of kids. That's no excuse. Like, I don't think there is a person. <laughs> well, you don't want it to be right because, like, I was going to blockbusters or whatever the video stores were at the time looking for giallo films you're looking at the bottom shelf films faces of death films like i'm trying to rent them nowadays kids are like oh this shit looks really old that's just wrong this i don't get it there's an appreciation for practical effects one um which is actually why chainsaw massacre is one of my favorite films a lot of people don't realize you don't really see him use the chainsaw on people that much yeah it's all done like out of shot 
Like it's it's insinuated. You yeah. hear the noise and you see a splatter, but you don't like you don't Tarantino actually movie. like see the violence being perpetrated. You see the aftermath. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like I said, it's like yeah. a Tarantino movie. It's kind of annoying, but it's still really cool. No, I don't think Chainsaw was racist at all. <laughs> it's nothing like a Tarantino film. <laughs> Jesus. Why is Leatherface saying the N word for no reason? Yeah. There we go. Now it's the only word for the whole film. And you know that would happen if he ever got his hands mm-hmm. on any horror movie. Like, the villain's going to talk for no reason, and just to say something racist. Like, you would not want and him to direct a Candyman sequel. It's just not going to be lots of feet, oh, yeah. too. Don't forget the feet. Some <laughs> foot fetish. Oh, God. <laughs> Girl, take off your socks. But anyway, for those who don't know, <laughs> you I don't even know what to say after you said that (laughs) continue on 1974 Uh, not the the 2013 yeah go ahead um, the movie has action it has gore there's a wonderful meat hook scene that I love it is one of three films that shares the kindred spirit of Ed Jean, or however you say Ed's name. Um, Toby Hooper, which was a UT graduate, I'm not from Austin, but he is, filmed it here in Austin. You can still go, I go to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, Festival, or whatever you want to call it. I haven't been to the house yet, but I will. I feel like, I was just looking at someone's Instagram today and they were there. And it's like, I feel like I'm doing myself a disservice, but I don't know which direction it is in. I think it's north. Yeah, um, I will like get there. Google that, right? I, no, I'm still using MapQuest. <laughs> I don't know yeah. Google is. <laughs> Where are your anyway, geo coordinates at? <laughs> exactly. No, um, I think the film has stood the test of time. It's not anything that needs to be remade again but it is the longest running horror franchise to history in history whatever the proper english is so there's something to be said for that no other franchise has gone as long as massacre and that's my favorite perfect film i mean the last Film wasn't great by any means for anyone else to suffer through Leatherface like I did. I, you know, I like Leatherface counts. compared to the <laughs> Texas Chainsaw 3D. That was a, that was a piece of shit. Oh I gosh. did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that the one with Trey songs? Yes, and they had this song playing with the while pool. Was she through the Chainsaw yeah. and, and the whole? Sorry, she never noticed that. Oh my gosh, I'm so done. No, well, no, I'm chance done. Of face that do your thing, cuz. I said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. This would be stupid. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh. Uh, no, I got me about that feeling. was like when main girl's running and like she comes across her boyfriend and her best friend. Right. She didn't like question that. Like, I was talking to the left, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I saw a clip of that recently on something, and I was just like, "Right, a big what the fuck moment." <laughs> Is no. this one a Michael Bay film too? Because that would explain everything. No, 
It's too easy to blame everything on Michael Bay. <laughs> in this one, the girls had meat on their bones. Well, I'm, like, he, he did. Yeah. Oh, well, that's true. But, I mean, during the early 2000s, he was, he produced the original remake of Texas Chainsaw. He did the Freddy remake, and he did the Jason remake. Or his production company. Uh-huh. So it wouldn't surprise me if he was just doing all the horror at the time. I mean, I did like the remake and the prequel. I actually thought those were pretty decent, but they don't touch the original. Uh, definitely not. But I, I'll watch them if I have to. Like, I'm not like, I'll walk out of the room and flip a table. <laughs> Slender Man. Uh-oh. We don't talk about that. No, let's not talk about Slender Man. Okay, how about Ash? Do you want to talk about what you're holding on to for us? Alrighty. I might get a lot of crap about it, but I don't care. So, my perfect horror film would be 2013's Evil Dead. Ooh. Oh, you know, when you said you're going to get a lot of crap for it, I thought you were going to say like Piranha 3DD. I was going to say Friday 13 7. The exorcism of Hannah Rose. No. <laughs> no. Oh. Nah, Piranha 3 Double P. That would have been bad. No, but. <laughs> Continue, Ash. Says, We're sorry. Yeah. No, you're fine. It's like the fourth installment of the franchise, and it's like continuation from the original Evil Dead and. If y'all, like I always said, if y'all know me, y'all know I love gore. This film had plenty of gore. Like the the kill scenes were just perfect. The amount of gore was per- perfect. This film had a perfect amount of like violence. There's a little comedy in it where one of the characters just would not die. Like everything happened to him and he would just not die. Um, and it had the perfect final girl. I love this actress, um, Jane Levy. Mm-hmm. I think she's oh, she's one of my favorite final girls ever. Um, and then also was uh, my I said Michael, sorry, Bruce Campbell is like one of the producers of the film, so that's always always a plus. And he makes like a little teeny tiny like post credit scene cameo too. But, um. Yeah, I mean, you have a typical group of I'll friends. I'll stop you right there. I've never oh. seen that scene. Huh? I've never seen the post credit scene. I've never watched Evil Dead to the end. This is breaking news. Yeah. Any of that? Wait, are you the serious? One? The most recent one. Well, you're slacking. I'm disappointed in yeah. you. I, I bet you I'll watch it tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's like Ash Williams. He's like, he says groovy. And looks at the camera, <laughs> and it, <laughs> and the screen just cuts black. No, I've never watched the credits in my life. Yeah, we're not mad. We're just disappointed. <laughs> I'm disappointed. It's I. I watch that film, that version, at least three times a year. I, I, I love it. One of my favorite opening scenes. It's just perfect, and then like, it, like I said, lots of gore, and then like it's creepy, like, ugh, like when she has her head poking out of the cellar, she's like, like, 
doing all that crazy stuff. That's creepy. That's the one where she's there. They took her to the cabin for like drug rehab or something. Yeah, right? the yeah. detox. Yeah. yeah. She's like, let me yeah. suck How it up, pretty boy. Yeah. What was the sound effect? Like, let me, <laughs> she's like, let me suck your cock, pretty boy. But yeah, <laughs> to her own brother. But I mean, that was like the demon version of her. But yeah. But yeah, that's my perfect horror film. And it did really well in the box office. And I'm still trying to see if they're going to come out with a sequel. Like so far, there's rumors that they're going to make a sequel. And it's like in production hell. Like, I don't know what's going on, but they need to hurry up. And make up their well, that was the thing to upset Twitter is Fede asked, what do fans want to see, Evil Dead 2 or Don't Breathe 2? Fans voted and said Evil Dead 2, and he said, oh, I'm going to do Breathe 2 anyway. Breathe two, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe and I was like, so why the fuck would Everyone would pick what he was already going to be doing. <laughs> um, yeah. There was a, he was hoping, but he hoped wrong. The yeah. reason behind it, he did explain it is that Don't Breathe is his own franchise. Evil Dead doesn't belong to him. Well, and then that's so why he, he obviously was hoping that all of his fans would come out and show support for his work and not not something that they'd rather see. <laughs> <laughs> you should know that Evil Dead would overshadow any original work that he made. Especially when you did a good job right. at it. Like, no one's asking him to do another girl with their dragon tattoo. Like, he's good. Oh gosh! Because he also Our, did that instead of is still my favorite one out of that whole franchise. I can't, I can't let it go. Yeah, I would say Army of Darkness, then the remake, then one point five, and then one. One point five. One point five. Yeah. Let's be real. It's one point five. <laughs> yeah. I did just check out his page, and uh, it is not listed yet. So. Don't Breathe 2 is still there. <sighs> Not Evil Dead 2. I mean, I love Don't Breathe, though. And that was actually, like, my other film that oh, I was yeah, going to pick, but I was like, wait a minute, it has, to be kind of, it has to be a franchise, and it's not really a franchise yet. Mm, look at you. Sticking to the rules. <laughs> Thank you. I don't follow the rules. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, your first one was a franchise. Well, that was your gateway answer. Yeah, it was my gateway answer. You could argue the Suspiria, the original, and then the remake. It's, it's a technical foul or something. I don't know. It's a gray area. We'll exploit it. Okay. So, guys, yes. guess what time it is? Game time. Nap time? <laughs> time it can be nap time. <laughs> that could happen. Oh, no. I'll give it to you this weekend. <laughs> um, let's play a game. We fans, subscribers, listeners, I know we ran short last week, and we didn't give you probably what you were listening for. Hopefully, this week's pop quiz will not disappoint. So, guys, I have five questions for you. Some are multiple choice, some are not. I will explain to you before I read it. Uh, I will count to three, and you guys will answer at the same time. The winner gets the admiration of everyone listening. Does that make sense? I 
want a copy of Mortal Kombat. Look, man, I'm a teacher for a reason. I don't do a taking tests. I give tests. <laughs> that is true. I'm going to fail. I think everyone's going to do well. Or it might don't just be to me. talk about some of these things. <laughs> I would love to be able to go into learning experiences. <laughs> No, some things I tried to pick, which I thought were common knowledge. Like, it does get harder as we get to question five. Question five is kind of obscure, but it is a, uh, I don't know, well-known. I don't want to give too many things away. Or you could just figure out why I picked it. How about that? (laughs) You guys will understand it. So you guys ready? Bring it. No, but let's do it. As good as it's going to be. All right. So the first question I will read and then I'll give you your options and then I'll count to three and you guys will all say it at the same time. Yep. Makes sense? Okay. Yep. All right. What paranormal investigators in their investigations oh wait, nope, I said that wrong. What paranormal <laughs> investigators in their investigations are the Conjuring films based on? Zach Braggins and Aaron Goodwin? <laughs> Yvette Fielding and Derek Anchuk, Nick Rolf and Katrina Widman, Ed and Lorraine Warren. One, two, the three. The Warrens. Ed and <laughs> Wait, what was number two again? <laughs> Yvette Fielding. <laughs> the Warrens. The Warrens is the correct answer. Now, bonus point. Whoever says it first gets it, if you know it. We all know the Warrens from the Conjuring film franchise now, as well as its multiple spinoffs. But do any of you know the 2009 film set in Connecticut was based on their first story? Do you know what that movie was called? Devin, there you go. See, I told you this is going to be easy. (laughs) He's getting us comfortable to devastate us. (laughs) <laughs> well, I hope you all are yeah. comfortable. I'm just sitting here in silence. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I know what the answers aren't. <laughs> I think that you guys think that was hard. I think those were easy. No. no? All right. Easy. Okay. The next one, similar, easy, not too hard, but we'll see how you do. What pop icon, as in performer, do we have to think for the 1996 Wes Craven hit film Scream? One, two, three. Madonna? What? Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson? There you go. Kevin again for the win. Oh, I was going to say the Jackson. I was not even paying attention. <laughs> so. Sub-question, I'm going to ask you guys, and then I'll give you the story. Does anyone know the original title of the film, Scream? Scary movie. Exactly. Sorry, I'm like cut off. Sorry. (laughs) Three. I I think it's funny that, like, the knockoffs, like, the the stupid comedies that they did, like, actually (laughs) are are scary movie, right? Like, they took the original. Yeah, that's why they took the name, because they were like, it's not used anymore. Yeah. That's like when uh, Family Guy did the, the Star Wars. 
uh, exactly. Yeah. So the story goes, uh, privileged Weinstein brothers were driving around in their privileged vehicles, earned off a bunch of rape <laughs> and misogyny. And they called Wes Craven and said, you know what? I'm listening to this Michael Jackson song and I think this would be a better title. And that's how they changed the name. The rest is history. I could have left out all that other slanderous, not slanderous oh, material, okay. but I don't want yeah. to. Yeah. It's appropriate. Weinstein's. Yeah. It, it, has, it has a nice touch. <laughs> <laughs> On to question three, and this is where it starts to get a little bit harder, but I kept it kind of soft. <laughs> Sorry. <for you>. <laughs> <laughs> I that's what she said. No, no one ever said that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Let me turn on my adult brain real oh. quick. Let me turn it on. I mean, I mean, we were talking about Stephen Weber and the length of the, uh, the blur earlier. So, <laughs> all right. We all know Alfred Hitchcock's 1960 film Psycho for the iconic shower scene. But do you all know what Psycho? has the record for as the most iconic thing in film history. Toilet? It was One. the first toilet. movie to show a toilet. Yep. And flush. Ding, ding, ding. Hold on. That oh, was sorry. No down to three? <laughs> I was going to, but she, she went. I, got I said one. I <laughs> <laughs> so you guys were worried about nothing. Number four. What is the most profitable horror movie of all times not what did it earn but profit of all time it's multiple choice a scream b paranormal activity c cloverfield d the exorcist a b paranormal one, activity two oh you guys are asses Shit, sorry. Yo, there was no exorcist. Wait, what? I tried. We answered? Yeah, it's the exorcist. The exorcist. My favorite. Well, I say B, paranormal activity. Brandon, what was yours? A. Okay, well, it was not Scream. It was not Cloverfield. And it was what? not The Exorcist. Damn. It is oh, no. oh. Damn. The Exorcist has the record for gross. It grossed the most. It was trick question or trick answer. Prerogativity profited the most. Had lower margins. Oh, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Yep. <laughs> see, you're on the right track. Let's let the okay. get to three this time, at least, please. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to jump in so quick. This is the last and final question. It might get lengthy because I only wrote down an idea. I didn't actually write out a sentence to read. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had the idea because I know this, but we'll see how well I express it. <laughs> Bob Clark is notoriously famous for a film that is near and dear to most people's heart. The 1983 film A Christmas Story. But before Bob made A Christmas Story, does anyone know what 1974 film he made? Sorry. Exactly. Sorry. So Sorry. There was no count to three. 
No, 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 no. That wasn't the question. You didn't think anyone was going to jump in. What the hell? No, that was call and response. That was not. (laughs) So, in an interview, Bob Clark was asked why he never did a film, follow-up sequel film, for Black Christmas. And he expressed that he didn't want to consider himself a horror film maker. He wanted to do other things, hence A Christmas Story. It's definitely not anything close to... Um, so he just wants to make Black Christmas <laughs> in any variety? Well, <laughs> he, also made the, better? Yeah, he also made the poor... Oh, God, poor so. <laughs> yes, he did. Fuck. The same year as Christmas Story. Uh, so... He was said, was asked, what was his idea for the sequel? He said it would be the next year and the guy would have been caught, escape from a mental institution and go back to the house where it started and do it all again. Do you know what that film was called? The sequel to Black Christmas, the unofficial sequel to Black Christmas. I can read it again if you would like me to. It would no one would like it too. You guys are assholes. <laughs> that was that was it. I guess. Uh, are you guys guessing Devin. or? Wait, was it? Was I'm that? I'm gonna it? have to fight Devin. Okay. So, yes, he said the plot of the film would be the guy was committed to a mental institute. He escapes a year later and returns to the house where everything started. Oh, that movie wow. was called. Blank. Halloween, yeah. Exactly. That's literally what happened. Ah, that's a bad joke. (laughs) I I figured you guys would have got it because you know me. Like, (laughs) Halloween is my film. But uh, the person who interviewed Bob Clark was John Carpenter. So he literally took the sequel idea and put it on film. (laughs) Wow. I think it was fair use. Uh, he wasn't going to do a sequel. Yeah, they gave us the wonderful Halloween. I think if that happened in today's yeah. world, someone would sue for oh, yeah, right now. rights infringement <laughs> yeah. and shit. Right? Well, see, that's the crazy thing because could you guys imagine instead of saying Halloween, saying the babysitter murders? The babysitter <laughs> murders? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> The babysitter murders <laughs> H2O. That doesn't have the same ring to it. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't go off the tongue nicely. So I like to think it worked out for a reason. Bob's never sued John. I assume they're probably friends. I don't even know if Bob, Bob's alive, but they were friends. No, I'd say that. He died a few years ago in a car crash. Coupled with your voice, that just sounded like the biggest downer ever. Sorry. So we find ourselves at the end of another show yet again. I hope it's been real. I hope it's been fun. I just hope it hasn't been real long. <laughs> Devin, Ash, Brandon, Jules, plug Let's yourself. I'm going to ask called it. I don't know what I'm supposed All to right, do. All right, I'll go first. Let me go first. <laughs> if y'all want to know what I'm going to be ordering off Amazon this week, you can follow me on Twitter. <laughs> Stop, don't make me laugh. You can follow, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at ash to ashes That's Ash, the number two, Ashes. Okay? 
And I, I haven't mentioned what I got last week. I got a Chrome Skull and Laid to Rest and what else did I get? The Gore Gore Girls. So I got three films last week. Nice. Yeah, I have a bad addiction of ordering a lot of shit off of Amazon Prime and they're switching to one day shipping. So it's been really bad. Are you a really for everybody? Yeah. I have Prime. Nice. So it's just one day delivery now. Wow. Yeah, so if you have any suggestions on what I should order next, please hit your girl up. And scene. <laughs> All right. Um, you can find me on I need you Also, I need you Jesse Instagram and Twitter. When I start feeling better this weekend, I'm gonna get drunk and make fun of a bunch of celebrities Ooh, on Twitter. Like so I look forward to that. That's all I got. I just like like talking shit. Uh Oh, Oh, trust me. We know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my social media is going to be sparse for a while until I finish this uh, dissertation. Um, But then I really will be PhD Jules over here. Um, But you can follow me on Twitter at madprof underscore Jules. Or you can follow me on Instagram, madprof.jules. Um, you can see all of my cool artsy horror pictures and uh, whatever else I decide needs to get thrown up on there into your faces. And as usual, you can find me on all social medias at Gray himself, G-R-A-E himself on all social medias. Let's have some fun and talk about some stuff. (laughs) You have the simplest plug ever and I love it. (laughs) Okay, so... um, Find me on Twitter at BXC513. That's B as in boy, XC513, because we represent the 513 Cincinnati. You know what it is. Any hoozles. I digress. Um, If you're looking for me on Wattpad, because I am writing a book, which you should check out. There's zombies, depression, jokes about religion. You know, it's just right up everyone's alley. Um, You can find me on Wattpad, also at BXC513. we're changing Twitch over to BXC513 very soon. That's a process. We'll get into that another show. Um, but last and not least, I just want to say, right now, the day we are recording, it is Memorial Day. So please remember those that are that are fallen, that have fallen. I'm sure that everyone knows at least one person. Um, they gave the ultimate sacrifice. So we carry that on our shoulders every day. Thank you. Uh, one last weird, I, just question for you guys, because Ash mentioned the Gorgor Girls. Um, Herschel Gordon Lewis has made some pretty Quentin mm-hmm. Tino, Tarantino type stuff, uh, as far as race, terms of racism. Yes, <laughs> uh, I see him watch his films. Like, was he? Ash, I'm not sure if you know this or not, but he's got this thing called considered the Blood Trilogy, which is Blood Feast, Two Thousand Maniacs, and uh, yeah, that's the only one blood, I don't have. Telling me blood red. But like, if you watch them, they're not like, they were never meant for everyone to watch. Like, <laughs> everyone's not represented in these films, but I still watch them. Oh, I guess I'm bad too. Because yes. I own them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so wait, it's, I've never heard of him before, so is his stuff pretty racist? 
Uh, in the sixties, like he was directing for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I want to say he still has. He like, passed away. Out. I'm not sure when he oh, passed yeah, away. Like O two or so. I don't but, know because he did Blood Feast too. Like that was like his last film, I believe. Yeah. That he directed. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Well then. I don't know what he's produced. I don't know what he's writing, but you know, but some of them are good, just exploitation films. Some of them are just good gore films. And then some of them are just like, probably, probably. Never mind. He passed away 2016. My bad. People do. Yeah. Sorry. My bad. That's what I thought. I thought it was recent. But anyway, if you are going to watch it, I suggest watch those. Uh, yeah, <laughs> two thousand maniacs is a little rough, but it's fine. Well, anyway, another one in the books. Say good night, folks. Good night, folks. Good night. Don't watch Lord of the Rings. Deuces.